The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Can we get a cup of coffee in here, please? America, you've got a dog that needs walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get ready to type your little hate mail with your opinions about kumbaya and flat earth insanity. Stand up comedy? You want stand up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit down comedy. It's time for Coffee with the Dog. You make me laugh. Good morning, folks. The voice is a little shot. It is Friday, uh, Friday, August 25th, 2023. Good morning. Great morning to have you here. Uh, I'm a weekend guy now. For a guy who doesn't really work a job, I'm working for the weekend. Uh, Good to see that we got through this week. It's been a long couple of weeks, but this week in particular has been a a very long, uh, (laughs) tough week for me. Anyway, it's great to have you here. Today, we are going to meet uh, a couple of filmmakers who have a film coming out, I believe, uh, September 22nd, called Condition of Return. It is a suspense thriller, time travel, devil movie. (laughs) I think that sums it up. Anyway, we will be meeting uh, the producer and director of that uh, upcoming film in about 15 minutes or so. Later on, Robert Taylor... Uh, will be joining us from uh, Maine, Portland, Maine, where he's uh, doing a show with uh, Dusty Slay uh, this weekend. So uh, we got a good show for you. Maybe we'll have some laughs later on. We'll see about that. Uh, last night, as you know, uh, if you unless you live under a rock somewhere, uh, Donald Trump was um, arraigned in uh, Fulton County, Georgia, and Twitter is blowing up over it. The, Ironically, the thing that matters most to people is his lying about his weight. Um, listen, he's lying about his weight. There's no doubt about that. He claims he's 6'3 and 215 pounds. Um, no, I would say probably 315 pounds, if anything. But, you know, I'm six foot one. And about two hundred and fifty pounds, six foot, between six foot and a half inch, and two hundred and fifty pounds. And I don't have that big fat gut. Uh, 
a little chubby. I'm a little bit chubby, but come on. I mean, you know what? You know what? Uh, six foot three and two hundred fifty, uh, two hundred fifteen pounds looks like. It looks like an athlete. And even if you got, to, you know, whatever. So there's no reason. And it's it's so trivial and uh, matters to no one. That but why even fabricate that? Why even go go along with it? So it. But Twitter is blowing up over it. And um, you know what? The other social networks seem to be behaving or more. Uh, you know, I don't want to play favorites here, but or less stupid. Let's put it that way. Less stupid. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So um, that's that's the big news. That's the thing that everybody's upset about today, uh, or what's blowing up social media. Um, it. It's uh, ridiculous, the things that we can get caught up in. I mean, obviously, he's lying about his weight, but who cares? Who really cares? The thing is, why would you even go? Why why even do that? Why, you know? And uh, the other part of that is, if it were me getting arrested, I don't think they'd let me just tell them what I weigh and how much you weigh and how tall you are. I mean, I think they, in most cases, when you get booked, they do that, but it was done even before he was there. The, the information was uh, submitted before he was there, so obviously they're letting them self-submit height and weight stuff. Again, it's so trivial it doesn't matter, but why lie? That's the thing. Why why lie about little things like that? Makes no sense at all. Anyway, if you're upset about that, uh, I don't know. Smoke, smoke them if you got them. <laughs> uh, the film Road Dog, I found out yesterday, is going to be released uh, nationwide in digital format, uh, which means streaming, I guess, uh, on October 6th. It's, uh, I believe this week it's debuting in Chicago, where it was filmed, um, for a select audience in theaters. But on October 6th, it will be released. And it's been a long time. And the thing is, with these movies, from the time they decide to make the movie and the time you hear about it and then the production time and all that stuff, and then by the time it gets distributed, the people who were involved in it are much older. (laughs) I'm sure for the writer, it's even worse. For the people who actually had the original concept, could be years and years, could be a decade before your film actually gets to the people to see this one road dog i think we found out about it i want to say three years ago maybe maybe i'm off with that but just how long it's fascinating how long it takes for films to get to market these days and um you know you build up it's so much of the media um model that we we would deal with now is based on the apple marketing model of building a buzz around something and that's what we're, we're going to be trying to do here today with the film we're going to be talking about but you build a buzz about something people get this anticipation and if you start too early people can get worn out and never never get around to um they lose interest if you if you just start too early and never get around to fulfilling that, um, you know, advanced buzz about it. 
So it, it's tricky. And you know what? A lot of <clears throat> independent films are forced to, to really go guerrilla marketing, <laughs> podcasting, whatever, every, any way to get the uh, message out to uh, the potential following. And, you know, it's tricky. How do you, how do you know when, when, how early is too early to start pushing the thing? But Road Dog, if you're like me, been anticipating it for a long time, a long time. And the trailer is out now. Uh, a trailer is available. You can see the trail. Finally, a trailer. Uh, and, you know, we expect big things from it because it did get a lot of awards at the uh, film festivals it was submitted to. Best actor, best director, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then going straight to digital. I, and you know what? It used to be a stigma about that. Going straight to uh, video, uh, blockbuster type thing was was a negative. No, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. I'm sure my guest today will have better insights on that. But I don't think there's any shame in that it whatsoever going straight to digital. It's just um, maybe it's the way the model is going for films and how we enjoy films. It's like, you know, what people, they've made, movie theaters a lot more comfortable they've made it a lot more like a living room experience but i think covid changed the experience for a lot of people where they said you know what i have a i have a television on my wall that is as big as my house i have a big old comfortable couch a theater-like experience at home what do i need to go pay 30 dollars for a bucket of popcorn for <laughs> so uh there's that part of it but you know times are changing and we'll see uh, what's going on on the COVID front? Just before uh, we take a quick break, and then I'll come back and we'll we'll meet our guests today. Um, COVID has had an uptick in the last uh, month and a half, I guess. I've been seeing some people. Uh, I've known some people who've, who've gotten it. Uh, know some people who think they might have gotten it, but haven't been tested because it's like a mild cold to them at right now. Um, but so there is this uptick, but we have some crazy people who want to jump right back into the conspiracy pool thinking that this is a government conspiracy to re-up the disease. For what purpose? So to control us some more, to, to put us in lockdown again. I, I think sometimes, you know, these conspiracy people are just living in a world of paranoid delusion. I think, and listen, I'm no doctor, granted, no doctor, and I'm not a virologist, and I don't know uh, what I'm talking about. So we'll, we'll go with the disclaimer for now. But um, diseases like this, you know, it's going to become part of our seasonal thing. We've had cold and flu seasons uh, forever. This time of year where as it goes into fall, cold and flu season, and I think COVID is just going to become part of the regiment for that. That's what I think. But I certainly don't think the United States government is doing this on purpose to re-up COVID, to, to start what we went through over again. And the people who are spreading that kind of stuff, I think they need help. I mean, last night, my guest uh, uh, was talking about the trauma of the pandemic. And it did definitely break a few people's minds. To definitely break a few people. So if, if you're on that uh, boat, get off that boat. If you're on that train, get off that train. 
stop with the conspiracy theories. Uh, just lastly, last night uh, after my show, took a little trip to a grocery store. Mind you, you, last night was August 24th. It's not even the end of August yet. We still have a week left in August. And I, the minute I walk in the store, it's fall favorites promotions. And there's all kinds of things, like pumpkins, pumpkin seed, pumpkin spice stuff. It's August. There's still heat waves going around <laughs> all over the south and the Midwest and the uh, Pacific Northwest. Heat waves. Brutal summer heat. And we're pushing fall favorites and Halloween candy. I shit you not. Halloween candy. And my wife said there, there was some Thanksgiving stuff also on sale. We, we're trying to rush through life. Uh, in a really crazy way and uh, slow down as an old man I can tell you there will come a time in life where you're going to want to drag your feet to slow it down a little bit and why not start when you're young don't let your youth go flying by and don't live for the next season last night we were talking about living in the moment we're not living in the moment we're not even living in the season at some point, we're not even going to be living in the decade. We're always going to be thinking future-wise or, or living out there. At Live for today. Today's a good day. That's my uh, message for today. I'll get off the soapbox now. Uh, we'll be back in just one moment, and we're going to meet the filmmakers of a film called uh, Condition of Return, which has got a lot of little elements to it. It's a suspense thriller. It's got time travel elements to it. It's got spiritual elements devil um i think christianity into it into it too a whole a whole wide mix of stuff we'll actually look at the trailer uh with the filmmakers in just a moment we'll be right back hey yeah mind dog yeah yeah mind dog if you're ready for some action this dog sure to keep you laughing let's go mind dog yeah yeah mind dog don't roll don't play fetch only here to keep your interest the show that you've been missing full of comedians and musicians plenty of interviews entertaining keep it funny there ain't no debating <laughs> so authentic and straight raw pushing the limits when they talk doing it live when they stream mind dog tv yeah so crazy getting intense the dogs are wild better beware before you hop over the fence <laughs> mind dog yeah yeah mind dog if you're ready for some action this dog sure to keep you laughing let's go Mind dog, hey, mind dog. Don't roll, don't play fetch. Only here to keep your interest. Let's go. Come have coffee with the dog. This episode is brought to you by Koa Coffee. If you are a coffee connoisseur and want to experience the best coffee Hawaii has to offer, no blends, no compromise, try the true taste of Aloha. Koa Coffee produces premium Hawaiian coffee, hand picked. Expertly roasted and delivered from Hawaii to your door with Aloha. From award-winning 100% Kona coffee grown on the slopes of the Mauna Loa volcano to the unique mocha beans of Maui, they strive to provide their loyal customers with the best quality and freshness. Since 1997, Koa Coffee has been known far and wide as a product of utmost quality and their awards prove it. Koa Coffee was featured in Forbes' Top 10 Coffees of the World. This is the coffee Forbes called the best coffee in America. 
find out what it's all about, go to minddogtv.com slash coffee. Where's my girl? Hello there. Turn around. Hi. Good to see you again. All right, you can go. I just like to get her to turn around, acknowledge my existence. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Robert Taylor will be with us in the next hour from Portland, Maine, where he's doing a show with Dusty Slay. I have reached out to Dusty uh, to be on the program, but uh, it's good to have our man Robert on the scene to kind of nudge that along. Mark Sterling and Tommy Stovall. I hope I'm pronouncing that Stovall or... I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. Uh, uh, producer and director of new independent independent feature, Condition of Return, starring, starring I gotta, uh, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get some new lips. Starring uh, Anna Lynn McCord, Dean Kane, Superman, and Natasha Henstridge, which is always uh, another tough name for me to say. They're here now to discuss uh, their film. Please, ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Mark and Tommy. Tommy, did I pronounce your name right, first of all? Yeah, you did good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. Uh, yeah, it's always tricky for me. I don't know. It's like they're trying to, uh, you know, trick me up a little bit. Anyway, good, welcome, gentlemen, and, and good to have you here. Thanks for coming. Thanks, yeah, thanks thank for having for us. Having uh, I don't know if, uh, if you've heard any of my prologue here uh, uh, before we started today, but I was talking about the time it takes for uh, when, when you first start a project like this to the time it gets distributed to people. Uh, it can be a really long, long... And how do you keep your own interest and own motivation up and all your, your excitement for a project? How long did this project take? Well... Uh... Technically, it took about uh, two years. Uh, I found the script of, uh, in 2015, so uh, you know it took longer to actually get it off the ground. Um, so I've been thinking about it for you know seven, eight years now. <laughs> yeah. Well, but your uh, prospective audience hasn't known about it for seven or eight years, right? No, they have not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's kind of tricky now with independent films is how how soon you start creating a buzz for it because I, I was talking about a film that or a comedy film that is uh coming out it's kind of a comedy drama but uh the fans have been been teased about it for probably about three years is that a healthy thing or, or in your view or not um i think it depends um yeah it, it's a, it's a tricky thing it you know Especially when you you've been working on it for you know two solid years and thinking about it every day, um, you know you you kind of want to want to get away from it sometimes. But um, but I, but I think yeah, it's probably best to wait uh, you know till till the movie's about to come out to to really introduce it to the public. Right now, has this film because it's uh, I believe September twenty second is the release date. Uh, yeah, September twenty yeah. second. Has it been previewed someplace? Uh, has it been a screening previously? Because there are reviews for it on IMD, and I'm just wondering how those people <laughs> who mm -hmm. reviewed it uh, got to see it. <laughs> yeah, we, we played a couple of film festivals. Uh, we uh, premiered, uh, our world premiere was at the Sedona Film Festival back in February. And uh, that was, got a really good reception there. And then we played at the Phoenix Film Festival about a month later. And, uh, yeah, we got some really good uh, 
really good response. Now you got one uh, from a critic, uh, not not just a uh, you know consumer, so a viewer uh, from a critic, and it's confusing to me because he it didn't seem like he actually saw the film because he where he said uh, people he said that were starring in it are not in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that that's bizarre. Yeah, I I noticed that. Um, yeah, our, our writer. Uh, called me uh, one day and he said, or he sent me a link to, to this review and, and I looked at it and it had our poster and it had our trailer, but the, the review itself had nothing to do with our film. So I think, <laughs> I think the reviewer was a little confused at what film he was reviewing. Uh, yeah, it might be one of the states that, uh, one of the early states that legalized marijuana really early or something. <laughs> I, well, maybe maybe he bought a ticket to the movie and they it was at a multiplex and he went in the wrong room and he just this must be it yeah who knows I, yeah who knows uh so i was just uh, excited he had our trailer up there so you know it was yeah. a win for us well the, the trailer is intriguing and i, I want to play the trailer now that you mention it oh, maybe we can do that right now and then we'll come back and, and talk about it is that okay yeah sure. yeah let's do that this is the greeting we often hear at the beginning of Mass. It comes from the, it comes from the... Mike Stafford called. Is this about that church shooting? Police what makes a person do something like that? If you said in your statement that the devil made you do it, you care to elaborate? <laughs> Why am I doing myself any favors? The girl was sane and fit to stand trial, you understand? feel bad for you. Why is that? Because hell is real. That's where you think I'm headed? That's between you and God. Eve, did you know everybody in that church? This doesn't involve brimstone and contracts written in blood. Haven't you ever wanted or needed something desperately? Very cool. Very cool. Uh, it, it is definitely something that uh, inspires you to want to see the film, but it doesn't give you a real picture of, because I, when, when I first saw it, I thought this was a religious uh, thriller. It was kind of, uh, you know, God against the devil type of thing. I didn't even get that there was time travel from the, from the trailer. And to me, I'm a time travel buff. All you have to say is the word time travel and I'm on it. So the minute I found out that it was about time travel, uh, but it, it, very compelling. It, that's the word for the trailer to make you want to see the movie. So congratulations on that. Um, Thanks. Tell me about, you say you found a script in 2015. How does it start? You Are you out there actively looking for a script? Does the script just come to you and you read it and you say, wow, this is a fascinating story. What made you want to make this film? And how does it work between the two of you? Like who, who is the first one to say, yeah, let's green light this thing. Well, um, I, I was just looking for scripts. Uh, you know, I was looking for something that we might want to do. Um, I had written uh, most of our projects in the past, and uh, I thought, well, I would I would go out there um, online and just pour through scripts and see if there's anything that caught my eye, and um, was looking for something that uh, you know we could do on our on our resources. And uh, I just, I came across this script and I read it and I was just uh, immediately 
intrigued and um, I just just love the story and love the characters and and I just immediately thought I wanted to make it into a movie. So, um, and so I contacted the writer, said, uh, "Would you would you be okay if I option this script?" And and he uh, gladly agreed, and and so that's what happened. And uh, you know, I had the script, like I said, since 2015, and um, we just started trying to figure out how we, how we can make it happen, you know, how we could raise the money, um, started looking at casting ideas and so forth. And, and, uh, it just, just took a while to get there. And, uh, you know, we finally, I brought the script to Mark and said, this is the movie I want to do. And then he said, okay. And he, <laughs> he said he thought it sounded interesting. So we went from there. That that sounds like a kind of, a little bit lukewarm. Like, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, the, I should say the writer's name is John Spare. Has he uh, written anything before? Is this his first, uh, you know, film that came to fruition from what he's written? Yeah, this is his first film. He he uh, first uh, script he wrote. Um, he's written several since then, um, and I've read uh, several of them. He's he's a very good writer. Uh, and yeah, so he, he he's very excited because this is his first uh, film he's good, had produced, and good for him. But uh, you know, beginner's luck. I go back to the Dreyfus thing with uh, uh, apprenticeship of Duty Kravitz. Uh, what he was talking about when he was uh, nominated for an Oscar, and he heard a voice in his head, "Too soon, too soon." And uh, you know, there's there's that thing of it can raise expectations. You get your first screenplay made into a movie. Now you think it's just a, a, a given that everything I write is going to become. <laughs> A, a movie so uh but good for him great great for him now mark how did uh, your involvement in this um what is the, the producer's role is, you, is it your role to go out and get the funding and get get money to back this thing now and and how do you how do you approach that yeah, <laughs> everybody yeah, wants everybody wants to know that by the way everybody uh, listening right now <laughs> well we've we've done you know this is our fifth film and tommy and i um we we have a boundary we know what his role is and what my role is and he's made it very clear that i am not the creative guy and he's <laughs> he's very um uh he, he handles all that stuff and i handle all the uh the stuff that's non-creative I'm, I'm a tax accountant by trade and uh we've we've done a lot of uh prep work where we you know we know exactly what has to be done the paperwork, the contracts, the um, from the location, secu securing the locations to uh, travel for actors and crew and lodging and you know all that stuff. So I, I kind of am in, in charge of, of that. If you want to say more of the, the budget and the money and the funding and the and things like that, and right. so that's my role. Okay. Now, when it comes down, because I've talked to a lot of independent independent filmmakers, and it is important to have some name recognition in your movie. But when it comes down to uh, getting the stars to commit, uh, and especially with this one, I'm just kidding. How, how do you, where, do, where does that begin? Do you, do you take one or do you have a list of, of the, the cast that you want for this? Or do you just go after one name and then use that name to convince the other people? What's, what's the methodology there? Yeah, well, you you start thinking of you know certain actors that, that you have in mind, and um, it's not it's not easy getting their attention on a low budget like this. Right. Um, you know, it's not easy getting their agents to even respond to you sometimes. 
and at one point we we thought well you know why don't we just make this film um with unknown actors we'll just go about and find some really good actors and and we'll just make the film and and, and see how it turns out but I, I made the decision that you know we really needed someone um, who was a little well known at least, and someone who was a really good actor. Um, I, I decided, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, right before we we did the film, I said, you know, we're not we're not going to do this film unless we find the right actress to play the lead role of of this character Eve. And it just so happened that we were watching movies one night at home um looking you know through amazon prime for something to watch and we came across this movie i'd never heard of called excision and annalyn mccord was the lead in that film and and we watched the film and and i was just blown away with her performance um i was just just so impressed with her um i had never i'd never seen any of her other work um so literally the next day I, I contacted her manager and and I said, I, I would I would like to send you a script and an offer for this film I want to do. And he said, sure, send it over and I'll send it along to her. And and literally the next day, a day later, which hardly ever happens, um, he got back to me and said she wants to do it. And so suddenly we were we were off to the races. We had we had our lead actress. Wow. And uh and we were just, you know, excited and and scared all at the same time. And and why uh, scared? <laughs> well, it's the the film is um, it's it has some heavy subjects that you, that we tackle in it. Yeah. And and I knew we would have some challenges, you know, uh, technically getting the film made because we had a lot of locations to deal with and stuff like that. And uh, but I was more excited than anything because I felt we had the right actress. And, right. She's and, very compelling. When when I see her on screen, there's this um, I don't know. I, you know, some people just have this magic about their ability, and it's not you know the camera friendly. Camera loves you. It's all that. It's this a personality thing, confidence, a boldness, a strength, mm -hmm. all that that comes through with her. And I never, I like you, I wasn't familiar with her work until I found out about this film, and then I started doing a dig. Uh, deep dive and looking at some of her stuff and she she is really compelling i'm so i'm surprised she's not like a a-list celebrity that everybody knows at this point because she's really really a strong character so with, with when you got her is that what you used to get like dean kane and Nas natasha henstridge that's a tough name for me to say henstridge oh oh, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's so funny when you when you do films. Once you get one actor on board, um, the rest kind of fall in place. Sometimes, sometimes they just come to you. It's it's a, a very interesting thing. Uh, yeah, we we cast Anna Lynn, and it was her manager, who also manages Dean Kane. He, I was asking him about you know a couple of other actors and. And her man, one of her managers suggested Dean Kane. Um, he pitched him to me. He says, well, what, what about Dean Kane? What do you think about that? And I said, huh, that's, that, that would be very interesting. And um, so that's how that happened. Uh, Dean, you know, and I said, yeah, sure. Give him the script. And, and they gave him the script and, and he wanted to do it as well. And so that happened 
you know, pretty fast. Wow. Uh, have they worked together before? Uh, uh, I'm asking because there's a uh, still from the production of this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting to see because they're at the table. It looks like you, you're setting up for lighting and just getting framing and all that stuff. And they're, they're smiling and look like they're having a good time laughing while you're doing the work. And everybody in the room is happy except you. You're looking like really you're like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, serious, really serious. And it, it just it seemed like, it, you know, there might be a friendly relationship there or, or something. Have they worked together before? Yeah, no, they had, they had not worked together. This was the first time they'd worked together, but they knew each other. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dean, that, that was one reason Dean wanted to do the film. He told me if, uh, the first time I talked to him, he said, you know, he would love to work with Anna Lynn. So Very cool. know, that, that you was know, another reason he wanted it, to do it. And it makes such a big difference when everyone's attitude and, and their demeanor is just so friendly. We run a very uh, lighthearted yet, you know, productive uh, set. And, you know, we, it, it's very important for everyone to really have a good time while giving their best performance, crew and cast. And we've gotten so many compliments, especially from the crew, that they're saying, wow, why isn't anyone yelling? Or why, why, why isn't anyone mad today? Or, you know, like that. It's like, you know, because you, you try to have that climate where, you know, people want to be there and they, and they feel excited and they, and they do well. Yeah. Well, I, if you, if we can, and I, you know, I don't want to like, keep you guys forever, and but I do want to talk about this if it's okay with you because how films get made and the way uh, filmmaking has evolved from the old days is interesting. And looking at the stills of of the sh of the shoot makes me think how different that is from traditional Hollywood, and they they. Uh, recently, I've been uh, reviewing a lot of people talking about how Clint Eastwood works. And he, they were stunned when they first started working with him that he never shouted, action, you know, the big old thing like that, <laughs> and, and and how he works. And he likes it informal, and he just goes like, okay, you can start now, that kind of stuff. But looking at the stills, it's definitely different than what the old Hollywood uh, <laughs> method of filmmaking was. And that kind of uh, creating... Uh, those kind of atmospheres. Now, the the final product product still looks like, you know, high production Hollywood stuff. But you're not seeing these kind of uh, extravagant sets uh, or back, you know, uh, backlots and, and and you know, sound stages and all this stuff. It looks like it's uh, shot sometimes shot on location and all that kind of stuff. Where was the film shot, and how are those decisions made as far as uh, the production, uh, you know, aspects of it? Well, it, it was shot completely on location. Uh, some of the locations we had uh, difficulty finding, and we had to we had to actually build sets. Um, uh, for instance, we had an airplane scene uh, we had to build a set for, um, and a prison scene we had to build a set for. Uh, but yeah, it was shot and all on location. That was the the biggest challenge we had on this film is we had twenty one locations uh, shot over nineteen days of shooting. Uh, and so that was pretty, a pretty, you know, big hurdle to, to deal with. Right. Um, uh, and, and the production value from the consumer's, uh, perspective, it looks like, you know, a major, like a, a multi, multi, multi-million dollar, uh, budget. I don't even know what the budget is. Probably half a billion dollars for the Hollywood blockbusters. <laughs> but, we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah half a billion dollars. <laughs> 
but you know, when I think about this kind of movie, because I had written a movie about a guy who goes to hell uh, <laughs> 30 years ago, and I tried to produce it on my own. And I was like, uh, all the, in those days, like there's too much technical special effects, CGI and all that stuff that were needed. I don't see in the trailer. I don't see a lot of call for that, but thinking of, of time travel, the devil, spirituality, churches, and all these kind of things, you would think that this would require uh, a more special effects than what we see. <laughs> well, I wouldn't see any special effects in the trailer, right? So that kind of stuff. How do you get around, you know, what movies are all overdoing these days is all the crazy eye candy that it needs to uh, hold young people's attention. <laughs> right, right. Um one of the things I really loved about the script is is that it's based in reality. Uh, even though we're, we're dealing with supernatural elements, um, you know, we're dealing with religion, we're dealing with God, the devil, um, you know, some serious subjects. Uh, it's all based in reality. You know, the, uh, the devil is, is a real person. You know, it's, it's not, you know, some cgi creation uh, <laughs> you know and and uh so that that that's that's what really i think makes this film kind of unique uh in that way do you and, handle the the actual time travel like do you show like how time because that's one thing i'm always curious i had somebody on who uh had a time travel movie about saving jesus and uh, uh a, a book um, that's probably going to be made into a movie and basically the idea was this girl was going to go back she her job was to kill christ before he got on the cross to destroy the uh, christian religion so because it's all based on the resurrection and kills him before he gets on the cross blah 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 but i was like curious how did for me as somebody who's really into time travel how does the time and all he could say was gravity i was like well i want to see something visual is there a visual uh um you know, illustration of how the time travel actually well, works. Well, I, I think that I think you're getting the time travel from the the review that. Uh, oh, really? You, you probably read, yeah, because there's really no time travel in this. See film. this? The, yeah, no, because uh, <laughs> it was about uh, my first inclination when I first heard about the film from the publicist. Where there was no time travel in it, <clears throat> and then I read that review. I guess it was from that review, but because it, it made sense, condition of return. Sound, sounded like you know i i went somewhere and came back so there's no time travel in this at all uh no there, there's really no time travel we, we do we do go back in time um there, there's that you know we do we do uh, go back in time to tell the story but uh, and she does and she does her she does her uh um you know the, the whole devil worshiping kind of thing and, and brings her back you know brings there there's some travel there uh, right. but it's pushing it <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, see, now that's totally different than the, than the, the synopsis I read from that. I want to contact the guy who wrote that review and say well, you misled me. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I, you know, no, I no problem. Uh, no, but the, the, this film, um, you know, it, it's really uh, it's really about the characters and the actors and 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 their performances and what they bring to it. You know, there's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of subtlety uh, going on and a lot of meaning behind their words and their actions. And um, it's just, a, you know, it's a fast, a fascinating character piece, I think. Right. Are you uh, a spiritual or religious person? What drew you to this uh, 
this devil um, theme? <laughs> um, I, I'm not religious myself, uh, but the film deals with themes that are so common in our culture. Um, you know, themes that we see in other movies, uh, you know, dealing with uh, the devil and selling your soul and, and, and stuff like that. Um, in fact, in, in the movie, Dean Cain's character is an atheist and, and he's, and he's talking to this woman who's a very devout Catholic. And that's what another thing that makes it interesting is he's talking to her about all these religious things that, that she's telling him and, and he doesn't believe any of it, right. you know, and, and so that, that just, you know, that's something that's very interesting and kind of universal, um, that we all, that we all know about. We all are aware of, uh, you know, all the religious, uh, I deal with this all the time. I mean, uh, for somebody who talks to mostly comedians, musicians, filmmakers, and, and such spend an awful lot of time talking about, uh, religious or spiritual or, you know, these good and evil and good and evil is the big part of things that I'm curious about. Like where do, where do those forces come from? Are they inherent within each human being? You know, is there a really a force in the universe, good and, uh, and evil? Are they actual forces like gravity and electromagnetism, all that kind of stuff? So yeah, they are compelling things. I'm not sure how much, other people think about it, but it seems to preoccupy a lot of my time uh, with with this kind of stuff. But it's interesting, like for Dean Cain, I, I believe he's kind of a religious guy anyway, right? So that's yeah. got to be a stretch for him to play an atheist and maybe a, a fun stretch for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that, that's what appealed the role appeared to appeal to him because he gets to mm-hmm. kind of devil's advocate for his own beliefs. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And this is just, you know, he, he's been doing a lot of faith-based films. So we kind of tease and say, this is faith-based as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, because, and, and so, uh, you know, part of my, I stopped believing in coincidence was when people book things on this show, you know, as you guys probably know, you pick the dates. I don't pick the dates, but then we get people that align with the same kind of like, let just earlier this week, I had a, a, somebody who's making a film about time travel and spirituality and it's just like it 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 comes in clusters and i think i stopped believing in coincidence like some somehow i think there's something tying all this together in the world uh any kind of uh uh, belief system on that stuff you say you're not religious but do you believe in those you know forces and 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 coincidences and destiny and fate and all that kind of stuff (laughs) Well, that's kind of one thing, one thing the the movie addresses. Um, We deal with a very, uh, you know, controversial subject, um, and that is mass shootings. Um, That's, that's the, that's the big uh, uh, event that takes place in the film uh, that we're dealing with. And, and the question, you know, that that the writer had um, that inspired him to write the script was, you know, why are these people committing these these mass shootings and what if it were something much more uh you know sinister or d- there was some kind of evil behind this yeah, um, and, deep- that, and, that, and that's where the religion comes in and that's kind of what we what we're exploring in the film now uh do you allow yourself to 
become the audience and and think about think about what the takeaway from the film at that point, or is your you just want to stay as faithful to the script and to the writer's vision as you can, or do you allow yourself that you know audience to be an audience member and, and think, well, what what do I think about this at the end of the day? The thought provoking uh, element of the film. Oh yeah, well I you know the first time I read the script it. it sparked a lot of questions and, and feelings in me and, and which is what you want, uh, which, which is you want, uh, what you want the film to do for an audience. Um, and it, and it's, it's really a lot of fun. And when you take the film out there to an audience and you see their reactions and you see their questions and, and you see them kind of debate with each other back and forth about what the film means and, um, you know, what they got out of it. And, and so that's kind of, that, that's the fun part for me is just to see how people react to it. Right. Yeah. No, I, uh, to me, that would be because I talked and this kind of segues to the other part that I wanted to talk about is this home distribution type of stuff and going direct to digital. I think as a director, that would ruin it for me because I think and maybe you, you have a different opinion about this, but I think the best part of the from the director's perspective, it's the day it premieres to be able to stand in the back of the studio, uh, back of a theater, and watch the audience reaction and see what the, the parts they react to, see if there's any surprises, see what they take away from it. That's the the reward, right, for you or not? Oh, absolutely. That's definitely the reward. But it's also terrifying, right. especially, of that, it's, especially that first time you see it with an audience. <laughs> you know, you're, you're just kind of on pins and needles, uh, waiting for their reactions and you're hoping that the you know that they laugh in the right places and right um and stuff like that but but yeah it, it it's great it's there's nothing like it and so the home did can, i'm sorry i didn't mean no, especially when you can have a q a after the film and you know people start asking questions and mm-hmm. and and that's always just you know the best part for me so the streaming the digital release part of that would ruin that for you it takes all that away from you right and, and <laughs> I, this is my my whole reluctance to go and di- direct and you know, i understand the business model is changing and all that stuff and for for a lot of people it just makes sense but to me i'm not just about money i mean i'm about art i of course i'm not against money i'm not against capitalism i'm not against making a buck but for me if i'm an artist and i get into it for what i want i don't want to take my greatest reward and just throw it away <laughs> but yeah, yeah there are theaters too that are changing and they're uh catering to independent films we've talked to a couple that are helping us out with with our distribution as well and they they they're excited to play the film and they want to promote it and you know they're we, we can play there for a minimum of a week and it may be longer or, or, you know, it, it depends how, how it happens. So that's, that's kind of a cool thing. Cause I, I think, you know, you've got the, the studio stuff and they still can play that too, but then they can also, you know, play the independent films. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and the studios don't own the theaters chains anymore. So they can, they can do the, the, the theater, the theaters are pretty much independent or has that changed? Cause I don't even know about the distribution part of it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, there are a lot of independent, a lot of the independent theaters um, that, you know, that we're playing, you know, we're playing in uh, eight cities, um, you know, starting September 22nd. And so, and, and they're, can you list what those cities are? Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, We're, we're going to be in Los Angeles. 
Uh, we're going to be in Phoenix, Denver, Oklahoma City, Chicago, uh, Dallas, and uh, we're going to play a, a one-night special screening in Pittsburgh, and then we're going to be in St. Louis. None in New York. <laughs> no, I not mean, New York this time. Uh, it's very, it's very expensive to play in New York for. I know, <laughs> but I want to, I want to see it. I've seen the trailer now. I've talked to, I've talked to the filmmakers. I want to see it. I don't want to have to go to Chicago. To see it. <laughs> uh, no, no, but that part of it is, is important now. Um, that you know, do you think of that in when you're making the film, or do you wait until the film is done to start? thinking about distribution because i i would be of the mindset of even before i start shooting like how who's going to see this how am i going to get it to market yeah. all those considerations is that part of does that start from the beginning or do you wait until the movie's done and then think how we're going to get this to market now yeah you you always you're always thinking about it um you know even when you're when you're making it um, but you know that eventually it's going to end up on the streaming platforms. You know, that's where the, the vast majority of people are going to see it. And so, you know, as a filmmaker, I'm, I'm thinking of that, you know, I'm thinking that's where it's going to end up, you know, forever, basically. And, and that's where, you know, most people are going to find it. They're going to see it. And, and that's just the way it is now. But, you know, the, the good thing about it is, though, you know, people can people can send you messages now. You know, they, right. they if they like the film, if they want to ask any questions about it, you know, they they send you a message and or that or they make a comment. And and so that's, you know, that's another. I'm going to see if I can I can talk to Martin Scorsese today about the Irishman. You think you, you think I can get through? <laughs> you think I could tell him what I thought was wrong with with the Irishman? <laughs> Well, and that could be a, like, uh, to me, listen, I, everybody after, when I play a gig, there are a lot of critics, not critics, but people who, who are experts at what I do. <laughs> uh, that would be really annoying from a filmmaker's perspective, because I'm sure a, a lot, everybody's a critic, right? Or, or when you oh, get yeah. <laughs> you, you, you. Uh, when you make a film, you, you grow a, a thick skin very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and, and, and the, well, the first film we did too, we were, we were doing a lot of film festivals and, you know, we were in, on, you know, different radio shows, you know, doing a lot of promotion. And so then we would see a review come out and it would be, Hey, this is great. And then something else would come out and be, Oh my God, they say, they say we're terrible. We're the, you know, we're the worst thing ever that, Oh, someone says we're the best thing ever. And then, you know, so at the beginning, it, you're really you know, I mean, and you know, Tommy and I, Tommy, you know, as with the artist, you know, you don't want to be criticized, you know, and, and at the beginning it is tough. I mean, you, yeah. you have to build that skin. You can't just be, oh, well, no big deal. It's like, well, you know, hundred people said it's great. And one person says, eh, you know, so <laughs> you just have to really. That's, that's the one you always focus on is the negative. Of course, of course. All it takes is one person to, and it might not even be meaning sometimes to, to make a negative comment, but you take it negatively mm -hmm. and it, it will live with you and, and haunt you and, and go everywhere in the back of your mind. It's like, why didn't they, why didn't they love me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, when, when you set out to make a film, you just have to, you have to realize right off the bat and you have to be prepared for it. There's going to be somebody out there that thinks it's the worst piece of art they've ever seen in their entire life. 
Right. And they will probably tell you that. And you just need to be ready for it. And uh, but there's also going to be someone out there that says, you know, this is the best thing I've ever seen. So and then you have everything in between. Uh, but you need if you go into that knowing it, um, that then it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I, I hear you. Now, uh, before I let you go, I, I can't um, not talk about this because the other night I'm, I'm referencing the uh, interview I did two nights ago with the film about the book that's going to be made into a film about saving Jesus and. I said, aren't you concerned a little bit about the backlash from the Christian community about this? And he's like, no, that's great. Uh, <laughs> negative, you know, energy in the arts today is a positive thing. And I, I'll talk about this later on when we're talking about Internet stuff. And the thing is just to get outraged, get people buzzed about it and we'll drive revenue and there are people who are on twitter right now and their whole purpose is to just say outrageous things to get people to react because the more impressions you get the bigger your check's going to be from elon musk at the end of the month and so do you, does the economics and the and that kind of marketing for and all publicity is good publicity no matter whether it's ne negative or positive and this has some things that will trigger some people in the religious community a little bit uh yeah. does, is that important to you i mean at the end of the day where do you find the balance between your artistic and satisfaction of knowing that you did a great film with the um balance that with the incentive to kind of make it make people react to it and, and if they say something negative that's going to um, increase your bottom line and you're going to make more money from bad publicity and all that kind of stuff does that enter into your thinking or all that kind of stuff the you know the marketing part of it is is driving emotional triggers positive or negative yeah well you know it's positive or negative if people are talking about it that's always a good thing. You know, if it gets more people to watch the film, that's all we care about. <laughs> <laughs> and and one, one thing we're doing this, this time a little different is we're trying to really use the social media more, uh, you know, cause you know, back when we did our first film, it, you know, wasn't even there. And, and so now in using social media, you got all these social influencers at all levels and different things. So you get the right, you know, we're putting, putting that team together right now, but once you get that right group, and you know it's out there then people are able to start talking about it and and you know then you see it again you see it again you see it again and and it's it's crazy it's just so different from what we grew up with then you know how many times does it need to show up on a commercial on tv you know that, that right can... yeah but i do think you know there are people and this is part of the challenge is identifying these groups that are going to either be evangelist for the film and go on it and just say nothing but good things to get people in on it but it's also tapping into those negative voices yeah. that will will bring attention to your product is an art form right now and some people are really really clever about it and and driving their revenue through uh negative energy which i'm not a fan of negative energy i mean <laughs> it, it, but you know, you, let's face it, the world is dollars make sense. And for your next film and for the rest of your career, th how this one does financially is going to impact that. So you want it to be it, the most it can be. But sometimes you have to, you know, get in the mud with, with the devil here. <laughs> but, right, right. right. Yeah. But, it, 
but it can still be instead of negative energy, we, we we're focusing on controversial issues. So right. You have, you have gun control. You've got mass shootings. You've got religion. You've got all these things that that really can stir people up. Right. And, and you know, you hit a button, and then someone's talking about it. And then yeah, but the trick is to get that the. Uh, hot button topics to the people who you know are going to be triggered by it so they're going to talk about it we'll do our part uh, we'll do Thank our you. part we'll 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 definitely talk about it you know i talk about those issues a lot on, on the program and we'll bring up the uh the film so september 22nd uh it's all eight cities uh it, it debuts that night are you going to do a big premiere are you is there one that you're going to be at that is going to be the big premiere spot or yeah, we're doing a big premiere in Los Angeles, a uh, big red carpet. Uh, we'll have, a, you know, our cast there and uh, should be should be a fun night. Is that going to be like a uh, special, you know, special event type of thing with the searchlights and uh, Hollywood <laughs> on fire? I don't even because uh, somebody I know who did a film did one at uh, Grauman's Chinese. Well, it's not even called that anymore, but he did a premiere there uh, last year. And he was it was the typical old fashioned style Hollywood mm -hmm. uh, premiere night. Are you doing any of that kind of stuff? The uh, fanfare? Oh yeah, we'll we'll have uh, we'll have as much press there as we can with the photographers, and uh, we're gonna try to you know try to make it uh, into a big uh, event, uh, you know that everyone will remember. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I wish you good luck with the film. Thank you for being here. I'm sure there are filmmakers who uh, in the audience who are definitely uh, taking some insights and some, and hopefully you know. Uh, the consumers will want to see this film. I mean, again, the trailer is very compelling. The story is compelling, even without the time travel. I can't believe I got duped like that. And what a, the guy made a fool of me. Not, he didn't just ruin your, ruin your movie with a bad review or a review that has nothing to do with your movie. He, he made a sucker out of me, and I'm, that makes me angry. But I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, do me a favor, tell your publicist to contact me the week of, and I will, I will be pushing it to all those cities and, and reminding people. Go. Well, thank uh, you. We, we appreciate that. Uh, yes. Well, good luck with the film. And uh, when you make your next film, please do come back. All right. All right. All right. All right. Bye all for right. now. Have thank a great you. day. Right. Thank Bye. you. Uh, Mark Sterling and Tommy Stovall, folks. The name of the film is Condition of Return. It premieres uh, it on September 22nd, which is less than a month away. It's actually the first full day of fall where you can actually enjoy a pumpkin spice on the way to the theater. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not ready for fall. Anyway, the movie, Sans Time Travel, uh, still compelling enough uh, devil's themes and evil and and atheism and uh, the uh, gun control issues and politics and all that kind of stuff hey you know what there is something beyond just um mental illness going on behind this uh, mass shooting epidemic that we have in america uh there's definitely something to that and definitely thought-provoking stuff look forward to seeing the film i hope you are too tell your friends about it get them talking about it uh see the trailer I, the trailer is on Mind Dog TV right now. I believe I shared it on all my social media last night. If not, I will uh, check and make sure it's on all the social media today. 
and uh, look forward to that, September 22nd. We'll be back in a couple of minutes here. I'm going to take a short uh, break here. And when we come back, I don't know as soon as we come back, uh, Robert Taylor will be with us from Portland, Maine, uh, with the uh, Thank You for Your Service segment. And we're going to be talking about what's going on with him and Dusty Slay up in Portland this weekend. Uh, and uh, we'll see you in a bit. Uh, until the, I get back, True Fire the best place online to learn guitar. If you're interested in learning uh, to play guitar or uh, up your skills, you're already an advanced guitar player, but you really want to up your skills and become a master of it, TrueFire is the best online service for learning. You can learn from all the great masters. It's a great, great uh, platform where you can choose one-on-one with some of the best uh, guitar slingers on the planet. Check it out. TrueFire. Over 2 million guitar players worldwide learn, practice, and play with TrueFire. Our learning tools and massive library of video lessons will ignite your technical skills, harmonic knowledge, rhythm playing, and soloing chops. TrueFire's educators are the best in the biz, from Grammy Award winners to world-renowned artists. You'll have access to an unparalleled faculty of over 300 top-notch blues, rock, jazz, country, fingerstyle, and acoustic guitar educators. Using our desktop and mobile apps, you'll work with TrueFire's multi-angle video lessons on any device, anytime, anywhere. Integrated learning tools such as video synced tab and notation, slow-mo, looping, practice jam tracks, and many more handy controls accelerate your learning experience. TrueFire's style-specific learning paths guide you every step of the way. Use our assessment tools to find your starting point, then follow our lesson recommendations, and track your progress as you work through your personalized TrueFire study plan. Progress faster with private one-on-one instruction, group lessons, multi-track video jams, live streams, song lessons, student forums, TrueFire's Riff magazine, premium jam tracks, and much, much more. With thousands of five-star ratings and reviews from amateur and pro players alike, you'll find yourself in good company with the world's most comprehensive guitar learning platform. Grab your guitar and ignite your musicality. Sign up free for an all-access trial today. Yeah, sign up free for your uh, your all access, blah, 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 blah. Uh, seems like an interesting movie. I can't believe I got friggin' duped by this guy who wrote, I'm going to find out who this guy is, uh, guy who wrote the review of the movie that he probably didn't see. Uh, what's the name of this guy? Doesn't give you his name. A-Art TV Review. And almost everything he said, he's got the right poster. Uh, film promises to be a captivating blend of action, suspense, drama, with a thought-provoking story that will keep audiences on the edge of their seats. That's all true. The uh, cast includes some of the biggest names in Hollywood, including Chris Hemsworth, Emma Stone, and Michael B. Jordan, who are sure to bring their A-game to the screen. Now, those people aren't in the film. Uh, it goes on to say most... In- one of the most intriguing aspects of uh, the movie is 
the concept of a return condition, time travelers must abide by a set of rules that dictate their actions while in the past. None of that's true. The guy wrote, wrote a review about a movie he didn't see, uh, and he doesn't even leave his name on it. This is a supposedly a critic review. This is terrible. And it, it does a disservice to the filmmakers, but it also makes a fool out of me. <laughs> uh, I'm really upset about this. And there's no way I can contact this guy and say, you know what? What did you do? You you wrote, read something online and just, you know, wrote a, made up a review of a film you didn't see? Shame, 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 shame. Anyway, uh, I hope you're intrigued enough to uh, check out the film. I, you know, the, the devil stuff is definitely um, a compelling enough uh, thing. The devil, atheist, gun, you know, mass shootings, all that kind of stuff. Uh, also, James Russo is in the film, and he uh, he definitely looks like he might be like a show stealer. He's got he's got that kind of energy that comes along, and, and definitely compelling stuff. Uh, <laughs> Ian says, breaking news, old man duped again. Yeah, it does happen a little uh, too often, doesn't it? Uh, Ian's on a roll with, with some of uh, some of his comments lately. Hold on, I'm getting a text message. Before I got, see, people, booking agents always text messaging me. They know I do a show in the morning, but constantly text messaging me. Anyway, it's time to... Uh, Thank Robert for his service again. We we're all, it's like a constant thing. This guy needs uh, constant thanking for his service. Anyway, uh, it's time to uh, say hello to Robert. Let me. Uh... Thank you for your service, sir. You're welcome. You need, you, <laughs> constant thanking. He was just constantly thanking him. Uh, did, you didn't respond to that. I was riding the USMC bulldog. I tagged you in it uh, at the VA thing. Like they had this statue of a bulldog, and I was riding it like riding well, a horse. I didn't, tag- I didn't see it. You didn't see it, and I tagged you in it. That's funny. Well, so some other Robert Taylor probably saw it. No, it's, <laughs> it's probably on my uh Deal or whatever. I when I woke up this, I slept in this morning until like eight thirty. Man, I, I was tired from freaking traveling. Um, uh, so it's it's probably on there. I just haven't. Portland, Maine. First time you ever been there? Yeah. Uh, what's it like? Is it chilly up there? Because it's chilly here. Um, no, it's like a well, sixty three degrees. Yeah. It's raining. Yeah. It's yeah. To rain all day today. Big difference in uh, South Carolina, where it's probably still 150 degrees. No, actually, it had cooled off the, the freaking day I left, and the day before that, it was like 82. And then I think it got up to 100 on Sunday, but uh, it cooled cooled off for a day or two. Yeah. Freaking wow. Shit, weather follows me around, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you get to meet Dusty last night? He's not here yet. I oh, not, oh, I thought he was there already. No, um, he he's. Uh, the show Saturday night, and I was listening to his um, podcast yesterday, and he said he was he was going to come up here a day early, or, or he was he was at, coming up here an extra day. So I don't know if he's coming up here today 
Oh, I might stay an extra day afterwards. Yeah, or stay an extra day. Hopefully for him, he's staying an extra day because the weather's supposed to be nicer on Saturday and Sunday. So you're there. Uh, you're there way in advance. You went there Thursday for a show Saturday night. No, I have another show tonight. Oh, oh, yeah, good. I have a show tonight and Saturday night. Same uh, place? No, different places. There's wow, look out. at you! You're like a well coordinated, um, uh, <laughs> produced act. Well, they do it for you once they they schedule you, and you just show up. What um, a beautiful thing! Yeah, there's there's shows. To, uh, last night, last night there was only like maybe three shows spread out because it's kind of kicking off tonight and tomorrow night. It's, there's like shows um, that start maybe six, seven, eight, like every hour there's shows kicking off different places all over town, you know, all night. Wow. Yeah. You can hit all the shows you want. I went to one last night. Um, it was pretty good. Uh, they had, it was a um, headliner show, I guess what they call it. But they had maybe three or four local people, too, at the beginning of the show. The two headliners were good, though. It was, it was a pretty good show. Um, so what, tonight, uh, are, are you featuring for somebody? And do you know who that is? Or No, Eric, it's like um, six of us. Everybody does 10 minutes. Ah, it's 10 a minutes. showcase. Ah, um, so. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know what the lineup order is or anything. And then tomorrow you're you're what doing twenty minutes or what? How much tomorrow? I think ten. I think the whole festival. Everyone does ten minutes. Oh, it's a festival. I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't aware it was a festival. Yeah, it's okay. a festival. And is Dusty the big headliner for? Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. They added him at the last minute a couple of weeks ago because I was listening to his podcast when he found out about it. He has his own podcast. I'm not aware of it. He's good, yeah. It's called What's, Thank You. It's called um, Having a Good Time. We're, we're having, having we're having a good time. It's pretty good, man, because uh, he talk he does it with his wife, but he just talks about what what he did that week and what's coming up the next week. Oh and yeah, yeah. They had they got had a new kid like recently, but also too, man, he talks a lot about the open mics, about like when the, he was doing open mics and what's going on and. Uh, it's pretty, he's, he's religious too. He talks about some of that stuff every now and then. What? But, uh, but he, but he talks a lot of like behind the scenes, you know, just things like while he's traveling, stuff that happens at the airport and stuff like all that kind of stuff, man. That, that's uh, it's odd that you get. Uh, I don't see too many. I know there are some comedians who are uh, very religious or very. Christian, whatever you want to call it, but uh, it's a rare thing. It's not. It's not. You know, it's an exception rather than the rule. Most. Yeah. Of them. Well, he grew up down south in Alabama, so he came up in it. But he yeah. he's religious, but he says he's not. Um, I don't think he goes to church. He doesn't have. He's not think, a proselytizer. He's not. Yeah, like, I don't think he's a big fan of like organ organized or the church oh. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, did you catch the story about the the film this morning? That, that we were talking about. Oh yeah, I was watching some of it. Yeah, I I got duped, man. Uh, be by a re, <laughs> by a review that the guy the guy yeah, who reviewed yeah, the film he, didn't he did see the movie. The movie. <laughs> there's, there's a surprise. Yeah. Well, that's just like that's just like people um 
the, the Matt Rife haters that were saying how bad my, Matt Rife was, and they never even saw his comedy or whatever. Right. Never even seen it. Yeah. People, yeah, I, but... I mean, that is blatant. I mean, he's naming stars that aren't in the movie. It's like, come on, dude. <laughs> you got to at least make some effort here. What did you What did you see? You, he probably uh, pulled somebody else's review off of a film that sounded like the same title or something and mixed up, mixed them up, and then just reworded it, put it through some AI stuff and put it out there, and then, like, waiting for my check. Okay, pay me. Well, you got to do some work. Yeah, I wonder I why... Uh... Why he even did the review? I mean, it's like it's not money. Like, oh, did he get paid to do a review? I'm sure. I'm sure it's it's for some film I mean, review like website. Yeah, because it's not like it's some blockbuster movie that's coming out to you know rivaling a uh, what was the one that just came out this past weekend? Another superhero movie, um, uh, Blue Beetle. It's a Latino super the first Latino. I wrote some jokes on that. I got. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I didn't see the movie either. I wrote jokes about it, but I didn't see the movie. <laughs> well, I, didn't write jokes, I didn't write jokes about the movie. I wrote jokes about the idea around yeah. the movie. Yeah, the the idea of the concept of the movie. You know, what's next? What's next with these superheroes? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I I could probably, if I smoke enough. I come up with something really absurd, some really super. Well, they got to come up with the next. They got to come up with the first transgender. Oh yeah. Oh, that will definitely trigger uh, enough. Because I was talking to those guys about that. This idea of the way you sell a movie is to to include stuff that you know is going to trigger people. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's why I said transgender. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know what? I uh, I had a character <laughs> called Gay Man. <laughs> Gay Man was based off of Superman, obviously. But instead of Lois Lane, we had Lewis Lane. Uh, Lewis Lane was like a flamboyant gay guy. And uh, Clark Kunt. Not Clark Kent. Clark Kunt. <laughs> and uh, Clark Kunt and, and Gay Man were never in the same place at the same time. And Lewis gets bit in the dick by a snake. And gay man has to suck the venom out. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I couldn't get funding to make the movie. I don't know. I, I feel like the, the card is stacked against me. I, I thought it was a good idea. Anyway, uh, you've been following uh, your podcast. And, and I know you you are my source for discovering new. Um, well, I thought, uh, you know, it's weird. It's, it's, it's not weird, but. You can tell us without even knowing, without even like reading news or anything that you can tell if somebody's got a new special or whatever, because there one person, there's this new, I don't know, new, it's like, I'm not going to critique him here because I don't know, Jared Freed, he's on everybody's podcast this week, he's on Burt Kreischer's, I think he was on, he might be on Bill Burr's if I'm wrong, I don't know, but there's like at least three or four I've seen today I was on there. He's on, so he must have a special coming out, or that it came out. I got to check that one out, I guess, before I. I don't want to critique him without, without watching it. Right. He's from New York, I think. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of that. You know, people are using podcasts as promotional stuff for for uh, their specials right now. Dave Smith, are you a fan of Dave Smith? I don't know if I know him. You know? Oh, good. 
I don't like him. Um, he's he was on Rogan uh, promoting, and he's got a special that came out, and it's a, it said full twenty minute special. Well, he must not, have some, he must have some other. He must be into something else to get on if he got on Rogan. Besides, he's been on Rogan a couple of times. I mean, he, he's a political guy. He's a comedian who's got a political. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's point. his angle then. Yeah. And he is spreading misinformation. And I, I I caught the clip last night. Carl says I talk too much about Rogan. This isn't about Rogan. This is about Dave Smith. So, but he was on Rogan. Did they? I mean. Uh, it, it, what was his background? Is he some former CIA agent or Navy SEAL? Because I, it's like every other week it's a former yeah, no, Navy SEAL. It's, no, he's not. He's a com- he's a comedian who just like to, who wants to feel like he's smarter than everybody else and always has these hot takes that are. Uh, and he he's of the Russell Brand. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Just, m- that's, model. His, that's his. Yeah, that's his shtick. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, I need to come up with some shit like that then. But it, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I'd come up with. Huh? Yeah, Ian's got this right. Dave Smith uh, thinks he's an intellectual. He de- definitely uh, thinks of himself as an intellectual, but he's got shit wrong. And I wanted to, I, I was thinking about playing the clip because there was so much, you could take it apart, the shtick he's given Rogan. Sentence by sentence, and saying this is a lie. This is, a lie. and almost every sentence he says is a lie. Now he's on Rogan, and I don't know. Did Rogan how, call him on it? No, Rogan, because Rogan doesn't know about. No, the, the, he didn't remember a lot of the stuff. A lot of the stuff he's bring. He was talking about Russia, 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 and how yeah. it was all a hoax, and how the CIA set up. Now this is his thing. CIA set up Donald Trump. And he said, he starts by saying um, they were spying on Carter Page. They were not spying on Carter Page. I want to go through it, Omar. I'll, maybe I'll do this on Monday. But the uh, Obama administration was not spying on uh, Carter Page. The CIA and the NSA since 2001, to, since 9-11, have been really eavesdropping all over the place since the, you know the NDAA that the whole um, National Defense Act, which let allowed them to strip away all you know Fourth Amendment rights and really spy on anybody. Carter Page was out there making outrageous statements at conferences that were overheard by people of talking about how he could get the sanctions listed lifted on Russia if Trump got elected. He was working for uh, Trump's campaign at the time. That's not spying. That's The guy is actively out there saying this shit, p- provoking enough interest. And then what happens? The minute Trump gets elected, he drops the sanctions on Russia. There's a... There's a to say it was a ridiculous uh, assumption on the on the uh, intelligence community part that this guy was making deals is not that. But Dave Smith, you know, he get he goes down this whole thing, and it's just the point I, I that really bothers me is he's on Rogan, and there are a lot of people who don't think they just hear and then they uh, you know they're like parrots they me- memorize that little piece of information even if it's wrong they don't check to see if it's yeah, wrong. Yeah, that's most people. That's just like when he had. Uh, Patrick Bet David on there. He's a freaking used car salesman. Oh man, man, I hate that guy. You know, you know, I, I, 
all you gotta do is follow back, just trace back, and you can see he ran that pyramid scam. Yeah, he was an MLM guy. And thing yeah. like that. He's got all the answers. But Rogan kind of he he just kind of tried to play him off on that last part because he was trying to get Rogan to buy in and get Trump on there. And- It'd be interesting if Rogan ever has to see if Rogan ever has him on again. I think Ro- I think Rogan got uh turned off by Yeah, that. He, he used yeah, he got on there and started trying to sell his stuff or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to give you all this stuff. Though, you know, I, one thing I'll say about Rogan, uh, he tries to, I mean, you know, he'll say, oh, I'm not a conservative or I'm not, I'm this, or whatever. I don't care what he is. I give him credit, though. At least he has people from, he does bring people on there from, from both sides of the fence. And, yeah. and you know, and he'll he'll ask questions and, and, but he won't just jump on the bandwagon. Even if he believes what you're saying, he'll, He'll try to get both sides of the story, right, on his show because he knows that's what he'll get more viewers. If you know, because he's if he's the only one doing it instead of just pu- pushing one, blatantly pushing one side or whatever like that. I mean, you know, he's got his own agenda too. But but I I was surprised because that guy was on there before, and uh, it was you know it was a love fest and all. Oh Joe, I love you. Uh, yeah, you're the greatest thing on here and. I mean, geez, don't, if you, you need chapstick if you're going to kiss his ass that much during the interview, man, or, or whatever, because even Rogan wasn't buying into it. You know, he was like, oh, come on, man, dial it down or whatever. He's pretty quick, and I, and I will say this about Rogan. He is uh, pretty quick to figure and, and sometimes it takes two or three, but pretty quick to figure out this guy's just a scammer, and I don't yeah. think he was going to have him back on again. He I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't. I don't like. I don't have any respect at all for Patrick Beth David. Uh-huh. He's he takes advantage of because they did a, a. I don't know if you saw this. They did a breakdown of his MLM pyramid scheme. I did. Oh, I, I saw I, where, <laughs> where the um the bottom of the pyramid, the average, the average um revenue that each agent or whatever you want to call them in there was was less. It was less than like two. It was like two hundred dollars. Yeah, less than the money it took to but invest they had to pay in two hundred and thirty or whatever for the the training or whatever they had to go. Yeah, they so didn't they even make their money, money back. Right, yeah, so they actually lost money. Yeah, I saw <laughs> I saw it, but you'll never hear that. I mean, even though they had to disclose that in their financials, nobody who's wasting and no one no one's look cares. I mean, right. You know, only the only people that watch them. Or the people that want to watch him because they want to hear what he has to say, or they buy into it. It's like most other. It's like everything else, though. That cognitive bias, you know. You see- I had a brief interaction with him uh, about two or three years ago, huh. and we we were going back and forth. But I, I he don't. I think he blocked me on Twitter. Uh, but uh, we, I think we emailed back and forth a, a couple mm-hmm. of stuff, and I was I was being like really petty and stupid insulting him i was like let me ask you let me ask you a question he, he wants to ask me he wants to ask me everything get off my ass you fucking ass worshiper uh <laughs> learn to say k ask yeah. let me ask you let me ask you don't, don't ask me i've been asked enough uh, anyway uh so i'm not a big fan of patrick Pitt david i can uh, see that guy running for office yeah yeah yeah, and winning. Probably win. I was gonna say probably win too. Yeah, He's yeah. Down in Florida. 
Yeah, yeah, it depends on where you run, which yeah. is why I'm running in a uh, – <laughs> forget how I'm even running. Uh, somebody actually contacted me. My account manager is uh, about your campaign. This is your account manager. It sounds like a scam, like some kind of marketing <laughs> company. Trying to, if they went and did a database to see who's running and they want to run my campaign and all that kind of stuff. I was like, yeah, I don't have a campaign, really. It's I'm running, but I don't, I'm not doing a campaign. I'm just running. Yeah, they just want all they need is your credit card number and they'll um, run that whole thing for you. Let me ax you something. Oh, yeah, it does say ax, too. Ax and ass. Let me ax and ask you something. <laughs> it's right on the money with this stuff. Um, so uh, you, oh, you popped out for a second there. Um, your show tonight, you're, you're excited about uh, different kind of audience? Because Maine is a different, right? It's yeah, different... I, went, I, that's what, I went to that show last night. This was a paid show where they had to pay to get in. There was a lot of older not a lot, but more than I thought, older couples and stuff in there. There were a lot of young people, too. I think most of the young people were there were maybe comics or whatever. But the, one of the headliner guys was from Florida. Um, his, I think his, I think his name was uh, Brendan Iyer, E-Y-R-E. He's been out at the comedy store before doing the um, roast battle out in L.A., and he's a tattoo artist from down in Florida. He was he was good, but he was raw, man. He was yeah. raw, and a, and a few of those older people got up and left. Yeah, well, like, that's. I don't think of uh, Maine as necessarily conservative. I think of it as kind of um, no, liberal. I, yeah, it's like a lot of hippies and kind yeah. of. Yeah, is this? I think they make Ben and Jerry's ice cream in Vermont. Uh, it's the same kind of vibe up here, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was a it was a good show. Uh, but I just noticed that I was like, oh, there's some older couples in here. I hope they come from mine because they'll get my stuff works really well around older people. But I did a show, I haven't seen it since. I did this show last last weekend. I'm, I'm lost. Every time I get on the road, man, I lose track of what day it is. Last Saturday, I did that the veterans fundraiser at this Elks lot. It was full house, man. But Jesus Christ, I think I was the youngest person there. And uh, I'm serious, man. I swear to God. And so uh, it's all, but it, all, it was mostly veterans and their wives and stuff. And uh, there was three of us. And the uh, the guy that set the place thing up, Tom, he went up first and did like thirty minutes. And his he he's clean, you know. And and then I went up. And what he told me he was doing was he was just trying to ease them into uh, Ryan, who was the last guy, who was you know. That makes he sense. He was yeah. like, he could have rated R or whatever. And uh, so we all did 30 minutes, but I went up and, Jesus, uh, I like the third joke I did, boy, it was crickets. I had them going, and then I did this joke, you know, this off-color joke, and they just looked at me. I had about, out of the whole 30 minutes, so I only had about three jokes like that. The rest of them, they were on board with uh, – which I was surprised for a lot of it, but I, I was I could see – like the guys wanted to laugh at some of the stuff and the, their wives were like not laughing. So they didn't laugh. But I mean, overall, I mean, it was, it was pretty good, but I was in this, they had like food, a table with food on it, you know, cookies and chips and stuff. And so after I got done, when the Ryan, the third guy was up there, I walked over there and got like a big, I was getting a big plate of cookies and all this stuff. And there was just one other guy in the line. He turns around 
And in one joke I, I do, uh, I talk about my hometown. I just reference it. And uh, this guy turns around and he says, hey, man, how do you know Bennettsville, South Carolina? And we're a four-hour drive from there at where the show was. And he, I said, I went to high school there. I grew up there. He said, I did. Me too, man. I said, what year did you graduate? And he said, what year you graduated? I said, that's when I was there. And I wow. looked at the guy and I recognized him. I recognized him. It, it, his nickname was Polecat. That's why we used to call I said, Polecat? He said, yeah, man. He said, I thought that was you. I, I recognize. He said, so that's, you know, you never know, man. You're going to run into people. That's you know? fucking bizarre. Yeah. So I ran I'm, into a guy I went to high school with at, um, what the hell was the Air Force Base? Uh, Cannon Air Force Base in Clovis, New Mexico. Really? Uh it's just, uh, I, I was walking a hall because girl, a girl I knew who, who was, uh, she was like ROTC or something. She was there. And we, we just saw this guy knocking on a door down the hall. It's like, that looks like Chris Gill. I went to high school with him and he heard his name. He turned around and goes, Matt Napo, what the fuck are you doing out here in the middle of the desert? <laughs> like, wow. Very strange. But that's. Yeah, what yeah man. It's uh, the world smaller than people think it is. Especially, well, I run into people too uh, from the Marines. Marines are small, man. I used to run into people all over the place. Uh, but to also too, like if I'm walking around, if I'm going to do like a race or a, a triathlon or traveling for something like that, like you'll have people know it if they into the sport because you got on, carrying some kind of bag around with a sponsor's logo on it or you got some t shirt or some shit like that. On. But someone will say, oh, man, did you do that race? Or, or, or are you from there? Or My kids hate it. They used to hate it when they were traveling. Why are you always talking to people, you know, in airports yeah. and stuff like that? I'm like, hey, I, I said, you never know who you're going to meet, man. You're a natural networker. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't think that about you. I, I, really, you don't seem like the person who would be like a social butterfly. But you are good at networking and making these connections. Did, did, the did you ever read um, what was the – Man, I got I think I got Alzheimer's. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> you're getting old, that's all. Um the guy that wrote, the, wrote the book. Um he's got the white guy with like the afro. Um not Harry Lorraine. Outliers. The about the book about outliers and um I can't believe I can't I wrote all of his books. The, the ten thousand hour rule. Right, yeah. Um anyway, he's got a book. It, I think it's called Outliers where he's talking about people, these, the outliers are the people that get the 10,000 hours in and they're the ones who become the great people in their areas and stuff like that. But in there, he talks about um, the uh, networkers, right. Or the, the connectors is what he calls them. Connect. Right. That's what I think that's what I am because yeah. you could tell me, you could tell me someone or mention someone and it might take me five or 10 minutes and I can figure out a way that I can, I can connect to them. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. So it helps with networking, man. Like, absolutely. I wanted to talk to you about earlier in the week, Paul P uh, was on, uh, Tuesday he was on, and he was in the Indies funniest, India, Indianapolis's funniest uh, uh, comics um, festival. I, I don't know if it was a festival. Yeah, it was three days. And it was completely the opposite 
of World Series of Comedy. It was three days. The first day you do five minutes. Second day, if you make it to the second round, you do ten minutes. If you make it to the third round, you do fifteen minutes. Right. And they'd want new material every time. So the second night you can't do any of the five minutes you did the first night, and the third night you can't do any of the fifteen minutes right. that you did previously. That's totally uh, ass backwards from World Series of Comedy. What do you think about yeah, that? Well, because yeah, well, it's by the judge, it's a judging panel. It's not by audience response. Um, yeah, but they have a they have a different agenda too. Though. The whole the whole um, objective of the World Series of Comedy is geared towards a show, getting a showcase video that you can right. send out to, to bookers. Right, the, it is a contest technically. But uh, it's not—it's not not to make a lot of money. I can tell you that because yeah. you only put one fee up front, and and you don't—and they don't give any prize money out or anything. The um, I, I don't know, but you know, um, when you said that, I started thinking because uh, two of the guys that are host for the World Series of Comedy, um. Or at one is actually from Indianapolis, and another was posting that he was doing some shows in Indiana. So I'm wondering if they did that that uh, same competition. Yeah, they might have. But the, is there any value in? Because I think you know that means you have to have a half hour of material to just enter the thing. If you think you're going to make it through, if you're going to make what it through, get, what did they get? What What was the prize or whatever for that? I didn't. I didn't. What if you got booked? Shame booked on me. Things? Yeah, no, it's a, it's regular. Oh, but and he like he did get a bunch of contacts and 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 hooked up a small mini tour, a booking agent out of the whole thing. See, so here's that, what here's what they have on some of those deals. You have to pay to be in them. You might right, pay that twenty dollars or something, and they say, "Oh, the winner gets five hundred dollars, or the winner gets whatever." Those are money makers, man. Because they'll get a lot of people in those, even at home. They have them like in Augusta or Charlotte. I see almost every freaking other day someone's posting on one of those Facebook sites. Oh, contest, get booked, get a get booked as a head. First of all, that's what the scam. Where they're like, oh, you win win a weekend as a headliner. It's not at a club. It's like at some freaking lounge, right? And how can you be guaranteed somebody a weekend as a headliner if you don't? Especially if if the audience doesn't um, know the name, if the yeah. audience response knows how you win, because what had, those are bringer shows. I, I like when I first started doing comedy again. I I would do anything just to do it, just to get stage time. And I did one of those in Augusta, and it had brackets where they put you up against another person, and then the audience would vote, and then they moved you on to the next round, like the NCAA thing. Well, in the first round. Um, I went there, but I didn't know any, I knew, I knew the people running the thing, but I didn't know any, I didn't take people there with me or whatever. And I went up against this one girl that I knew and she, I don't think she got a laugh. Right. But, but she was from there. She had like 20 people sitting at a table right in front of the stage. And I was getting laughs the whole time. And then they said, Oh, uh, uh you know, round of applause for Robert or whatever. And some people clapped. Right. They clapped. But then when they said her name, they like went crazy and stuff because they were all there to see her. So I got left out of the, and she didn't even have the five minutes, but right. different five minutes because you were supposed to do different stuff. After been, that. Right. been there a, a 
million times in the that's early brutal. days in music. Yeah, that's, that's brutal for the people that if people paid to come see the show, all basically all it is is a beauty contest, and your family, whoever brings the most relatives, you know, right. is going to win. And uh, yeah, so. I, the only reason I did the World Series of Comedy was, like I said before, was to network, get feedback, and hopefully get a good video. It's not, I'm not delusional. I wasn't thinking I'm going to win the contest or whatever. So I try to – I usually stay away from those things unless there's something I can get out of it, like that, uh, a really good video that I know there's going to be a packed house, and I'll probably get a good video. You know, I, I think just the experience of that, because that is about improving your craft. I mean, no doubt about it. And that's why I I, I don't understand the, the value of trying to make people do different stuff on three nights, because what is the value for them? They're not improving their act. Well, not I, improving well their- I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why they say they want uh, the comics doing different material, because they want to try to get the same people in there coming right. again the next night and I, I you know if, if i know everybody's doing the same material and i saw them tonight then i'm probably not gonna pay to see them tomorrow night i, I don't yeah I mean, I'm, some people probably would but if i know you're if i know you're doing the same like the people that come to the world series the fans the, the audience that comes to the world series of comedy the non-comics right they don't right. know that the comics are going to do the same material they did the night before they don't. They don't tell you that. They don't tell the audience that. But it's not the same people night after night. They're bringing in different. Well, some of, but some of them come back. Oh, really? And the difference is, it, some of the material will be different because if you're doing ten the next night, that means you've got to add five more right. minutes of, of material on there. But you know, uh, I don't know. Who knows, man? Uh, some of those things, man, are just freaking scams. Yeah, I think a lot of there's this one guy, Steve. Uh, he's got a his last name begins with an H, and he's got red hair. I can't think of his last name right now. I'm going through my Alzheimer's shtick, but uh, he's got a reputation among a lot of comedy. He, I guess, he was he had some fame at some point, but he's running all these competitions where he's charging people to get into them, and it's a big scam. It's just all it's all about you know making him rich. It's not. None, none of the comics who who enter the thing are are really advancing their careers by it. Some of them might get a one decent payday out of it, but it, at the end of the day, it's a, it's about making him rich and make you know lining and his pocket. And they'll and they'll they'll get people in the thing too. Usually, it's newer comics, and then right. it'll be some it'll be some comic that's been around local for a while who figures he can get an easy cherry pick on the thing. You know. Oh, and that's who usually wins it too. Looking you for know. that big home run. Uh, you yeah, know. somebody. Oh, I've been doing comedy for ten years, and I'm going to go do this contest. And I'm telling you, man, I see that at home a lot. Yeah. Uh, because it's, the scene isn't that big anyway. But you got people say it on podcasts on on a little local little podcast, or whatever, saying they've been doing comedy for ten years and eight years and something. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I wouldn't be telling people that. Because you can't, you still don't have five minutes of material. <laughs> yeah, like the guy who, the guy who was doing open mics for twenty years uh, on uh, on my Facebook group. I was like, are you these, people, these people, these people are. That's all they do is still is doing open mic because it's a hobby for them. Yeah, it's a hobby for them. and they don't even do open mics every week, but they'll show up because they got their little click. 
Yeah, that that's that was my take on this. Like, if you're seriously doing open mics, like a like going at it, working it hard, doing two or three open mics a week, there's no way you could not improve in twenty years. Uh, improve dramatically in twenty years. My guess is that when you say you're doing open mics for twenty years, you're doing one this month, one two months from now. You know, yeah. you're not really going I mean, hard I, at. It. I, I, yeah, I I still I do open mics, I, but I, I I get I got booked. At the airport yesterday, I, I got sent me. I got booked for. He booked me for eight shows next month in October. Wow! Right? But it was because I did a couple of shows for him and stuff like that. But the point I'm trying to make is, if I like, if I go out to San Diego or or and if I go somewhere, and even if I'm booked on shows, I'll look for open mics to do, just because I can try my material out on a crowd I haven't been around. Absolutely. Even though and the network. biggest headliners will yeah, do and that. just meet comics and networking, just meet comics. Um, but I'm, but the thing is I'm progressing and that's what you're trying to do when you're going to open mics is you're trying to learn the ropes and get comfortable and, and progress and work out material and stuff like that. But if that's what you're doing is if that's all you're doing, if you're still doing open mics and nobody's booking you on shows, it's just a hobby, I guess, because yep, yeah. why would you still be doing it? I mean, if I was trying to play golf and I was shanking golf balls up in the woods every time I hit the thing and I couldn't learn to hit the ball, I'd quit playing golf. Right. You know, it, it wouldn't be any fun. So, but I know people too that do open mics and they go, go to the same open mics every week. And that's all, maybe they just, that's all they want out of it. And they could be, I don't know, you know, that, Whatever. I mean, no. yeah. I want to get your take on something before we, we say goodbye here today. Uh, Derek Sheen, who's a friend who's been on the program a couple of times, uh, was talking um, about a situation where there was a guy who had, they were at a comedy club, they were in the green room, and the guy who was uh, on the show who was going to get like eight minutes or so got bumped because a major star, a big name, came in and just wanted to do. A set and ended up doing like 45 minutes. They were talking about Ray Romano. And the guy was all pissed off and jealous and, and worked up. And Derek's comment was, you know, at that point, I could see you being upset about losing the time, but you're getting a, a master class. You know, you're getting to see a, a guy work it and, and give you some real, um, you know, expertise about how it's done. A guy who's done. Now, I'm not a huge Ray Romano fan, and the stand-up was never for me. I, but uh, I'm just curious about that that mindset. I would be upset if a guy just came in and took my time away from me. I was booked to do time. Well, I'm gonna say if if I'm booked on the show, you can do what you want to do, but you're gonna pay me my money because right. I gave up. I gave up an opportunity to do a show somewhere else. Right. If, so if you if you pay me, I don't have a problem with it. It's your show. I'm getting paid either way. I would rather be on the show, but if I'm not, as long as you pay me, I, that's your. You know, show. I got to ask him what, what did the, did the guy get paid anyway? Because I would assume that they they would pay him anyway. If you get bumped yeah. for your time, but you're booked, and you you're right. If you gave up another opportunity to be there that night, you you have to be compensated. Yeah. For even for your travel time and all that kind of stuff, it just makes sense. Okay, yeah. If it's a pay, I mean, if it's a paid show, if it was an open mic, then what are you gonna do? Uh, but if it's an open mic, though, they they usually just put you on after or whatever. Um, but if it's a paid show, they only got so much time they can keep the people in there in the club or whatever and, and sell. 
So that means you're probably not going up. So yeah, I'd, if you pay me my money, because uh, I, I gave up the opportunity, I could have done a show somewhere else. Uh, you know what though? From honestly, man, I but I don't like that. I don't care who you are, because Dave Mattel makes a point. He won't even do that at open mics, man. He'll go up late at night just because he doesn't want to bump, bump right. off and stuff like that. And he doesn't that, have the ego. He doesn't have the ego. These still got these guys still have that ego. You know, you hear about Dave Chappelle going up to a club and sitting up there for two hours and stuff at at, at, at an open mic or something like that. That's bullshit. You know, you're just rambling. You don't have two hours worth of material. That that that's just give the other people a chance. Yeah, you can get booked. We're trying to get we're trying to get workout material and get better and and get booked. And, and nothing against Dave Chappelle. I like Dave Chappelle. I'm just saying anyone anyone. I'm using his example because that was that was my take when Derek started talking about the the story. It's like that's a petty thing for Ray Romano to do. First of all, he's got his movie career now. He's had, he's got billions from his television, millions, multi millions from his television show. He doesn't need that. This is all about stroking his own ego at the cost of people who are uh, coming up now. Uh, and and that's what I was a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have a fucking dog in the fight, but it just seemed to me petty. Well, and what, it, he's, what he's doing too is. I think he's still doing that. I don't know if he's still doing it. He was out in Vegas, and he was co-headlining with Brad Garrett, I think. I think, and then maybe he was doing it with somebody. I think he was doing it with David Spade, too, maybe. They were doing like a co-headliner thing several weekends out of the year in Vegas. But this is why this is one reason he does that, too. And he's not the only one. They'll do that. Because they can go in and work out new material for the shows they're going to be doing somewhere else in Vegas, or because they don't want to do open mics, they don't want to have to go. Uh, and the, and the, their version of the open mic out in LA is to go to the comedy store. If you're a regular at a comedy store, you go up and do 15 minute sets, and people pay to come in and watch you do the 15 minute sets. But that's how, like, Louis used to do that at the comedy cellar, Louis CK, he'd go in a comedy cellar, and, and, and when they were having I don't think they call it open mic, but that's basically what it was. And he'd do his 15 and work out material. And they'd go in, that's they'd go in there every that's what Mark Norman does. That's why he's at all those places every night doing 10-minute sets, doing 15-minute sets. That's basically his open mic. He's working out that material. Right. When you pay 35, 40, 50 dollars to go see him at the comedy zone or governors or whatever, so like that. Then he's not trying out new stuff on it. He's he's doing stuff that he pretty much knows is going to work. You know what surprised me? Joe List's uh, special came out a week ago today, and I watched it. It was friggin' hysterical. Really, really good uh, stuff. But I had seen him do some of the stuff live, like you you just talking at showcases at the stand uh, and. Um, another place in New York, stand-up uh, New York. Anyway, I'd seen uh, the stuff, and it was even funnier in the special because I guess the special was taped after I saw him do do it live. Uh, same material, though, but it was refined, and it was really good to watch. Yeah. Uh, but the other night, he was talking about online, I think. Uh, maybe it was in a podcast. But he was said, talking about going out to do shows might have been with Howie Mandel. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, 
he's talking about going out to do shows now and he said I, because i've been doing this special and promoting this special i haven't had time to do material so people are going to get some old material they'll get some new stuff some of it would be great but just to be able to say that to people like i don't know to me that takes courage and balls to be able to say some of the stuff you may have seen before it's not going to be all new material sorry That's about that norman, yeah you remember like like a week ago or so that mark norman was saying that he's not he's out touring now and, and someone asked him, well, are you still doing the stuff from the special or whatever? And he says, no. He says, uh, I'm doing some, I'm, I'm got like 30 minutes of stuff I didn't do in the special. And then the rest is uh, stuff I'm working on. He says, right. well, I, I apologize or whatever. Funny, him, him and Lisa are friends. Uh, they both have that same attitude about that. But I like it. I mean, I don't see anything. Because, again, I saw Joe List do that material. But when he, when I saw it in the special, it was still funny, and it was even more funny. So you know, I don't... you know, this of course this is just my opinion or whatever. But I think the guys that come up through in the New York scene are heads and tails above the L.A. and and the other. Yeah. I, I mean, on average, I'm sure you'll get the outlier coming from one of those places, uh, you know. But if you look at the guys who come up from New York, they're like battle tested, man. Right, because you have so much more opportunity to work. That's what I'm saying is they're out every they're out doing open mics and doing spots every night, four, five, six, seven spots a night. They get to work out that material. And so that's you know, when they hit the road, man, you know, they're constantly I mean, freaking Mark Norman comes out, he's doing a show and he's got his notebook on the stool doing new jokes, right? Working them out on you and stuff like that. And they're not I'm not saying they don't want to get a TV show or be in a movie or whatever like that, but that's not their primary objective, man. And I think it is out in LA. I think they're all out there. They want to, they want to be a star. Right. They want to be. Well, a- that's what the, that's the adage. You go to yeah. New York to get good. You go to LA to get famous. Yeah. And look, you look <laughs> at these guys, man, Dave Attell and, you know, Mark Norman. I don't think they're, I don't think their goal is to be a star. Right. I don't think it's to be a star. I think they want to be great comedians and they want to produce great comedy. Yeah, yeah. You know, sure, if you're going to give them the money, I don't think they're going to turn it down or whatever. But I don't think that's what they're working towards. Going back to what we were talking about before uh, on another uh, episode was goals, your goals, process, right. product, and outcome. And if you, right. if all you're focused on is the outcome, then, the, it, you know, you're ripping people off, man. Right. Self too, because sometimes you're probably never going to get there in the first place, you know, and just focus on the process and the rest takes care of itself. You write the jokes and you get out and, and get the stage time and get the feedback and network and you do all that stuff. The rest kind of just falls in place. You need some luck too, you know, but the right. rest kinda falls in place. You know, people don't uh, want to do the damn work. Yeah. One last thing before I let you go. I hope you enjoy this weekend, but like, when I do a show, after the show, I'm on. I'm on. I mean, I I'm lit up. Even uh, you know, energetically, yeah. I am lit up after a show. Now you're going up before before a headliner tomorrow night, and, and a good one, Dusty Slay. Now, when you come off the stage, are you going to be? Are you still filled with like that energy? And how long does it take to kind of dissipate and get back to normal? Way where you can actually uh, relax and go to sleep, or 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 you don't, or do you not get that? Like on no, I fire. Get if I have a really good show, I get it. 
if I have a really bad show, I get it. If it's because either way, I have the same mentality. Uh, when when I come off and my mind start won't stop, it's like, uh, what can I do to make it even better? Like right. even if I have a even if I have a really good set, I'm still thinking, oh man, if I do if I do this, if I if that that wrote really well, maybe I could do this. Or if I don't have a good one, then I'm thinking, God, what what the hell? I you know, what am I I got to do to make that better? Or it's kind of, I can sleep. I don't have any damn problems sleeping. I can fall asleep in anywhere at any time. But, <laughs> you know, but I, but usually we'll hang out with people for a while. And, and if I'm at home and I usually drive somewhere, it's usually a couple of hours at least. Then I got to drive back, so I yeah, you know, I can like decompress or whatever uh here there's a lot of comics here so you know you can hang out you know just network and right stuff like that pick up pick people's minds and stuff did but, you bring merch with you to maine no to- i didn't i didn't bring it just because i only i didn't want to check a bag when i was riding the bulldog at the, in front of the marine place i was wearing your shirt uh last week uh, got my, I got a hoodie too. I got my hoodie. I'll probably wear it around the day since it's cooled off a little more. I won't wear it on stage though, because then I'm, I'm thinking people are gonna think I'm a freaking moron up here. But you know what? <laughs> Dusty Slade's got a hat. He wears sometimes the Dusty Slade con- having a good time hat yeah. on stage. You know, but uh, we're having a good time. About that, I, who who's gonna buy it from me anyway? Up here, there's there's so many people. You can't uh, you can't sell it after the show, not at a festival, probably. Dusty gave me a, a retweet earlier. Oh, he did. Uh, yeah, uh, he he was talking about his every time his wife cleans the house, she she's angry at him. I said well, we're having a good time, but she's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what though, man? Uh, he seems like a he he hangs out and talks to his fans after the after the shows and. Uh, but the bigger, I'm telling you, man, he can still do that right now. And and I think uh, I think it's stretching him a little because he's got a lot of stuff going on at home. I mean, a new kid and he's traveling on the road and he comes back and he's trying to do his podcast and the Nate Land podcast. And once that special pops, he's going to be bigger. You know, he's going to. I'm surprised the Netflix half hour stand-ups didn't make him pop in a, in a big way because – a lot of people are getting a, a big attention from that Netflix stand-ups thing. Yeah, uh, half I, hour. Yeah, I think you got to. Well, also too though, after that Netflix special, he didn't have. Like after Mark Norman did that Netflix special, he went up on Rogan, right? And Dusty wasn't doing Rogan. He wasn't doing. I but you know what? When he was in, he was in Austin about two weeks ago. And uh, he did a set at Rogan's new club, but Rogan wasn't there. Wow. So he probably didn't see him. Yeah, Rogan can't have every uh, every comic on, and he tends to get clicky, but, you know. Well, that's what I was just going to say, though, man. I'm, I'm trying to be objective, but of some of the – of a lot of the comics he's had on there, none of them can freaking come close to Dusty Slay. Yeah, I know, I, mean, I know. A lot of them are. You know Norman and all, Dave, you know Louis C.K. David Tell, Shane Gillis, all they're all great comics. There, but he's had some people on there. 
I mean, Jesus Dave Christ. Smith sucks. Brandon Dave Smith. Shaw, we... <laughs> Brandon Shaw. Oh. There's other ones too that are on, like Brian Callen. They're no, they're not even close to Dusty Slay. I mean, you'll see, man. I agree. No, I've seen Dusty Slay, and yeah, I, if I had a choice to to watch any of those people or Dusty Slay, I would pick Dusty. But people, Slay. he's still, he's making, he's he's making his way out now. He's still like, cause more like a regional act, a southern comic. Like a, they're trying to pigeonhole him in, like Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, you know, but he's not. He's not. He talks about. He's edgy, man. He's, no, I know he's, he is. He's PG. Cleanish, but he's edgy. Yeah, no, uh, it, it definitely PG or uh, even like a soft R. But he, he's not using profanity. But yeah. a lot, uh, all his material is very adult. Yeah, I'll be. Uh, I guess he's probably still going to do most of the stuff I saw him do at his uh, special taping because it hasn't come out yet. So right, I imagine he's. It was. I, I don't mind. I, whatever. I, I, you can always learn. You know, watch even those guys last night. I'm sitting there watching those guys, and it gave me some ideas on how to restructure a couple of jokes I got. Right. You know, to make them work better or whatever. That's all that's right. what the whole thing is. Uh, you know, people say, "Oh, why are you why are you going all the way to Portland, Maine, to do a comedy festival?" Or, because you can learn, man. You can. You and can there's learn. people who speak English there that enjoy comedy. That's why you go any place because yeah. there are English-speaking audiences who want to see comedy, and it, it's an opportunity to reach new. new and, and, yeah, that exactly, and to see if, if to expose yourself to different crowds, man. To to see if you, if your stuff works uh, in different areas, and if it if it because ideally what, what you wanted to do is to have a broad base you want to have a broad base where your stuff works for everybody right. uh, well, i was telling this guy the other night a younger kid i said yeah i said if you go up there and you tell a joke and it works sometimes it kills sometimes but it doesn't work sometimes it means the joke is funny i said you did louis ck talks about this he, he says well, if it's like that then you got to figure out how to make it less offensive to the people who won't laugh at it Right. Right. And that's what you do is you go to different places and you find out if it works everywhere. If it works everywhere, then you, you can still try to punch it up. If it works some places and that doesn't work some places, that means you got to figure out how to make it work everywhere. You know what I love about CK? Uh, and this just occurred to me like last week or so watching some of his older material is how he baits the audience. He kind of holds them hostage. Now you can't get offended because he gets them to laugh at something no, like he would, yeah, a, a dead baby joke. He said, "Now, now, first of all, you, you can't have any judgment. You went with me. You laughed yeah. at that dead baby joke. You're in. You're in for a, a pound. You're you know, in for a penny. You're in for a pound now. I, you're in with me on this. You're on. Yeah. <laughs> I got so, I got one I do like that on the pedal. I have a pet. I won't do it tonight. I didn't do it last weekend either at that veterans thing. I just read the room. I was like, I can't do that pedophile." bit <laughs> right but but i'll do i'll tell i'll tell this one joke and people will laugh and uh it's a pedophile joke but they don't they they laugh i don't say pedophile that but it's a pedophile joke and they'll and they'll laugh at it and i say oh man you guys like the pedophile stuff i say any pedophiles in the house tonight right and then and they won't say anything. i said wait a minute you just laughed at a pedophile joke <laughs> Yeah, you're you're in. You're already you're committed now. You can't bail on me now and get offended now. Yeah, and then uh, I'll do an actual pedophile joke after I say 
<laughs> and then they'll laugh. They'll laugh. But I knew last weekend when I was looking at it, I was like, hey, I can't do that pedophile joke in here. The guys might laugh at it, but, you know, but I didn't need it, whatever. But, but yeah, it's, you know, you, it's a process, man. You just always learn. You have to be, uh, you have to be in the room mentally. You have to be able to pay attention to what's going on and figure out why certain jokes aren't working and why certain jokes do work. And when you figure out why those jokes work, then you want more of those jokes. Right. And then the ones that don't work, you want you don't want those jokes, but you want to try to if you know that the premise is funny, you want to try to figure out how to make them how to make them funny, man. That's why that's why I like doing it is the problem solving. Yeah, you know, you know? yeah. Uh, we got to give up the network, so thank you yeah, for your man. service. Uh, I'll see you next week. Good luck this weekend, and uh, I hope you knock them dead. Break something, break something. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Thanks, yeah, man. We're having a good time. We'll right. <laughs> We're having a good time. Yeah. Main get uh, ready for a good show tonight and tomorrow night will be even better. Uh, Dusty Slay will be there uh, headlining. Uh, anyway, I got to go. I got to clean up the network. Get off the network so that uh, Knock 'em Dead comedy ca- uh, can happen. I appreciate you being here. Have a great week. I'll let you know what's happening next week. Eh, maybe over the weekend or something. Uh, it's been it's been great. It's been fun. It's been real. But I want to remind you to turn on your radio. Bye for now.
me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.